What is up? Welcome in. It's another edition of Talk and Flock, a full mingo podcast where we discuss all the happenings with your forward Madison FC, us being myself, Jeremy Rushing, and as always, my co-host, but this time coming to us all the way from sunny San Diego, California. Ah. Rob Chappell. Rob, how you doing? I'm doing great. I am on vacation and I am doing good. You're podcasting while on vacation. I, I can't tell if I'm impressed that's, or disappointed, but that's that's uh, commitment. Yeah, it is. It is. It is commitment. <laughs> and uh, I appreciate uh, I appreciate the commitments. I appreciate you bringing your little uh, your little uh, mobile microphone, which actually is better than my regular podcasting microphone. So <laughs> I may need to. I may need to find your sources for uh, for podcasting uh-huh. equipment, which are probably just Amazon, to be honest. Amazon, right, pretty much. Yep. There you go. All right. Maybe I'll have to grab me one of those. But yes, Rob, it looks like you're sitting at – are you sitting in an office or are you sitting at like a kitchen table right now? Uh, I'm in like in a, in a bedroom desk. Like bedroom desk. desk. All right. Yeah. There you go. At, at yep. the in-laws. At the in-laws, which smells really great right now because my mother-in-law is a terrific cook and we just ate and everybody's happy. Well, there you go. Um, I'm sequestered in my basement currently. Uh, so I do, I do, I have tested positive for COVID. I'm completely asymptomatic, which I am, I know I'm very much one of the lucky ones in that regard. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's weird. So myself and our three-year-old daughter mm-hmm. have tested positive. Um, my wife and our five-year-old daughter have not tested positive. So we are trying to isolate from each other a, and trying to keep, a you know myself and the three-year-old away from the five-year-old and and my wife and it's gonna be so awkward it's difficult it is very very difficult we we eat in shifts we like go outside in shifts <laughs> like everything that we did together it's like okay you guys do it first and we're gonna do it next but my three a three-year-old has no idea what's going on like she just like right. and she's you know she misses her mom and yeah i i miss her mom and it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting time. It's like, it's almost laughable. Like it should be a sitcom trying to keep these little pods separated in this one mm-hmm. house under this one roof. It's, it's very, yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm gonna be very happy. I don't envy you. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna tell you that right now, but uh, that's what we got to do you, to keep each other safe. Right? So, you, you, I mean, um, you talk about me, podcast, the commitment of podcasting while on vacation. How about the commitment of podcasting while positive for COVID? Like that's pretty impressive. Thank you. Thank you. I wish I wish I was impressed as you are. Again, I feel nothing. <laughs> I legitimately don't feel like if I wouldn't have tested positive, I wouldn't even like know. Like we got we got a tip off that we might have been exposed, which is why we Oh, tested. wow. And my my line, the the T line or whatever was uh-huh. like dark. It was like ding, bold. Ding, ding. Hey, you know how you see people with the tests and it's like a faded second line yep. or whatever. Yep. Mine was like You got bold, it, buddy. Bold. You have COVID nineteen. <laughs> so, oh man! Uh, but but luckily, you know, like I said, I'm not I'm not feeling bad at all. So I'm I'm consider myself fortunate in that regard. And yeah, for sure. You know, so, but yeah, interesting times at the uh, at the rushing household right now. But wow. um, I am feeling well enough to talk about Ford Madison. So let's do that. Episode forty one of the podcast. Uh, if you haven't subscribed to the feed, please do. Let's you know when we drop a new Talking Flock episode. Also. Let's you know when we drop a new interview. Um, if you have, uh, if you are a subscriber, you'll notice that you know every now and then you get a little bonus, little nice surprise in your podcast feed, little bonus interview. 
uh, along the way. We've done interviews with, uh, the, you know, from the likes of Green Bay Glory to state senators to just uh, we, we try to touch everything going on uh, in, in Wisconsin and spe- specifically in Minnesota soccer. Um, not just Forward Madison either. So make sure you subscribe so you're all tuned in on when we drop new content. Also leave us a rating and review if you haven't as well. And if you're not following us on Twitter, uh, you can do so at Talking Flock. Speaking of interviews, we have a really good interview coming up a little later on at the show with the man who just made his first professional start at goalkeeper, got his first professional win at goalkeeper for Ford Madison. Parker Smith joins the show in just a little bit. So stay tuned in who, for that. Who was also voted Mingo of the match. We should mention yes. that. Yes, he was. Absolutely. Um, well-deserved, too. Called upon a yeah, few had a good times. Night. Yep. And we went that. Uh, but before we get to breaking down the two to one win over Northern Colorado, uh, one bit of news. Um, this is, I thought this was kind of interesting and this kind of, I think shows kind of the direction the club is heading, uh-huh. um, that the club had moved their offices from offsite to actually on site at Bree Stevens field. You know, they built that new forward club, uh, which is really cool. Well, mm-hmm. come to find out. They also built new offices for the for the front office, the marketing team, you know, everybody involved on the office side of Ford Madison. So now their offices are right there at Bree Stevens Field. Everything sort of on site under one roof obviously will increase efficiency, but also really shows that the commitment to this and mm-hmm. um, just just again trending in the right direction. We're able to make these moves like that, make the you know the renovations that I'm sure were not cheap. Uh, right. you know, to put forward right. club in the offices in at Bree Stevens. So um, just a just a good sign overall from an organizational standpoint. Yeah, and it's it's all under the grandstand, so like under the bleachers. This is old. It's obviously a very old stadium, and these old um, storage areas basically have been converted to offices, as well as there's some really cool um, like press conference space that they have us in after matches. They, some of you have seen on the videos on Twitter, but then and the forward club. Um, it's just it's, they're turning it all into just a really professional, very classy environment, and it's really great to see. You know what they should have done? They should have had the bar be the press conference booth, so people sit and the, <laughs> the, the guys sit on the bar stools, and then everybody <laughs> sitting out at the tables is the media, and everybody has to have a drink. It doesn't have to mm-hmm. be an alcoholic beverage, but everybody has yeah. to have a beverage in hand. I would have loved <laughs> to see something like that. Maybe That's maybe uh, somebody starting a club is listening and they can they can yep. do something similar but uh, but you know anyway. what is really fun is when uh after the press conference when you're sitting in the forward club and players do come in for a minute you know they like they don't they don't hang out very long because you know they got to get to bed but uh but they do come in and there's whenever any one of them walks in there's just this big Ray! you know <laughs> cheer <laughs> a cheer rises up from the assembled masses and it's, it's really just kind of a fun atmosphere yeah, yeah absolutely um, so let's get to the uh, the game analysis here of that two to one win at Northern Colorado. Of course, this match had to be moved to a new location. Uh, Northern mm-hmm. Colorado playing the remaining home schedule at uh, Colorado State, which was not the case prior. Uh, but that, of course, meant the match was moved from July fourth to July fifth, um, and which was good for us and, and holiday weekends and schedules. Yeah, not having right. to uh, you know watch a soccer match on July fourth for work, which was great. Um, but uh, a couple surprises in the 11 to the, uh, before the match even started. Um, some some switching and mixing and matching here from mm-hmm. Matt Glazer. Um, Alvin Jones started at wing back instead of Derek Gebhard. Alan Torres was at the eight. 
Um, and then, of course, uh, Parker Smith in goal. Um, wasn't really something that was hinted at ahead of time mm-hmm. or anything mm-hmm. like that. Obviously, Phil has been the guy, but, you know, he didn't have his best, uh, you know, run of form last time out as uh, six goals were dropped on Madison. So um, I'm, you know, I guess no better time than, than the present to see what the kid has got in Parker Smith. Sure. Um, yeah. What, and what and we did, and I did impression of that lineup, Rob? Um, the, on the lineup, I mean, Alvin Jones has been playing really well. So what, that wasn't a shock to see. Um, it was nice to see Alan Torres get a start. He's obviously, uh, we saw him early in the season and the open cup matches. And, and then uh, uh, he, he's gotten some minutes here and there, but not a lot. But to see him in the starting lineup, uh, I think for the first time, except maybe the Cleveland match um, early in the season, but uh, but to see his first league match start, uh, really positive for him. Obviously, he's the youngster. He's 18. Uh, he's on loan from Indy 11, for those who don't remember. Uh, and he must be <clears throat> impressing in training because he did certainly impress on the pitch uh, <clears throat> Tuesday night. But I, yeah. I was honestly surprised to see Parker Smith. Uh, I, I, but then you think about it, and like you said, you know, Phil didn't have the best night the other night. Um, it, it, a lot of it wasn't on him exactly, but there no. was a goal or two. There's been a goal or two over the course of the season where Phil has gotten a little bit too adventurous, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, and, and Parker Smith, uh, Matt, said after the game that he proved himself in training. He earned a start, and he, so he got one. It was a coach's decision. Um, and uh, we talked with Parker about that in the interview you'll hear a little bit. But, uh, but I thought he did uh, pretty well. Honestly, yeah. overall, for his first 90 minutes. Yeah, and uh, just to sort of reiterate, um, it, it, it's not injury-related. Nothing's, you right. know, no, no knocks for Phil. It was simply a coach's decision um, yep. to, to start Parker. And I think that shows signs of depth that Matt feels comfortable to make that kind of decision um, sure. to, to start Parker in goal. Um, and I think it also, I don't know if, if this, you know, was at all any sort of intention behind it, but you know, I think in some way it does send a message to Phil that, Hey, you've been great. We love everything you're doing, but this, this is not carved in stone. You know, your, your name in the, in the lineup sheet is not necessarily in permanent marker. Right. Um, Right. If, if if there are falters or, you know, um, lacks in performance that we don't, we won't hesitate to make a move. Right. Um, Now Mm -hmm. that's not to suggest that Parker is a starter from here on out the rest of the season but um i think it's it's a a good from a a depth standpoint but also um you know not allowing these starters to get too complacent with their spots which i think sometimes can happen if you don't if you're not being pushed from somebody behind you right right exactly and they've talked when they brought in the 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 young man from oakland uh there was a talk about um push and fill right and 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 making it challenging him and making him earn that starting spot which doesn't work unless every once in a while it actually actually does lose the job for a night right so uh so you're right i think it it is definitely it's one hopes that it pushes phil to to uh to work hard work harder and uh you know nothing better for the club than two goalkeepers who are really fighting it out every day in training yeah absolutely so um, the match starts, and this match is being played on a college football turf field. Um, mm. And so it's much like playing on the uh, basement carpet that I have my feet on right now. Um, and that there's really no actual grass or anything to uh, inhibit the speed of which the ball is moving. Right. Uh, so 
you are seeing a lot of uh, just a lot of mispasses, a lot of misconnections, a lot of disjointed play. Um, and, and I really do think that, I mean, it was obvious to me from the get go, oh, yeah. like, oh, these, this, this ball, no matter how hard it's being kicked, is moving. It's rolling and it's not stopping or even slowing down. It's, it's rolling. Scooting all over the place. And it's not, yeah. and, and you can see even like, if a ball was spinning, it would like pitch up like a golf ball. Like it, it would like hit the turf and jolt backwards. And there were um, a lot of first touches that where the ball got away from a, a guy's foot and, and that yeah. caused possession problems that caused finishing problems. And people were trying to make, especially Madison lately has really relied on that sort of tight space dribbling and that those sort of technical skills. And when your first touch gets away from you, like that, that weapon is no longer in your arsenal, right? Uh, no. Also, there were, I counted at least three occasions where Nazim Bartman put a really, really smart, well-weighted, well-thought-out, creative through ball ahead to Abdu Bakijam, and it just went, just scooted out of bounds. Like, yeah. it, it didn't have a chance. It was, like, exactly the right idea, exactly the right look, exactly the right run, and the ball just went pew <laughs> over the end line, uh, which was a little bit frustrating. Um but, you know, both sides had to deal with it. Northern Colorado will have the advantage as the season goes along to get of getting used to it. Um, but it did cause a lot of disjointed-looking possession and both going both ways, honestly. Note to Matt, next time uh, you're, you got a match week where you're heading up to Northern Colorado or over to Northern <laughs> Colorado, I should say. Yeah. Um, play futsal in training the, the entire <laughs> week leading up. Don't, don't, don't yeah. practice on a regular pitch. Get some futsal going. Uh, I think that might be the best way to train. But, <laughs> Good idea. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it really was pretty sloppy in, in both directions um, as things got started. But speaking of Parker Smith, he was called into action very early. And a little, yeah. I guess, preview of our interview with him, he actually mentioned that that was uh, great for him, um, you know, in mm-hmm. the sixth minute to, or the fourth minute, I guess it even was, to mm-hmm. kind of have that in- engagement with the play because yeah. it, it, it kind of, again, it got him in the match very, very early. It didn't allow him to sort of mentally, um, you know, phase out or, you know, get too complacent if the ball's not around you. Right. Um, right. So I think that was actually really good for him to be called upon that early to sort of keep his mental focus in the mm-hmm. match. And he did, did really well. I mean, he had, a, yeah. had to dive a little bit to his left uh, to make a stop. It was actually a really good opportunity for Northern Colorado. Um, but it was, mm-hmm. it was, it was Smith making the movie needed to make to uh, make the save and keep things level early on. Yeah. And we talk about the turf and that was a, a header from Mark Hernandez uh, that, that he, he put this the way you're supposed to do it. He put it straight down. So it would bounce and skip into the goal. And we talked about the turf being so fast and it, it skipped and it was going and uh, Parker was able to get down on it, uh, push it aside. Um, and, and like I say, just get involved in the game, not let the pressure build up. Right, because that's the other thing. He's he's feeling a lot of pressure as his first start. So if if it goes a half hour before he has to do anything, um, you know that pressure is just going to build. So to get that nice, quick reaction save out of the way early, that was great. And then he made a couple other saves in the first half that were more positional saves, right? Where he was, it wasn't a big diving, you know, highlight reel thing, but uh, it was where there were really good, solid shots on goal. But he was in the right place which is also just as valuable as the ability to make the big crazy dive. Right. So uh, some some of those saves showed a lot of maturity and, you know, anticipation and understanding, understanding where to be uh, within the goal box. uh, That was really nice to see. 
And just a few minutes later, we get uh, we get the opener. Um, yeah. Starts with Maldonado on a throw in. He gets it to uh, Leonard from the left, and it goes right to Osmond. Mm-hmm. And Wheels executes a perfect give and go. Yeah. Uh, with Osmond, and then yep. uh, Alvin Jones gathers it while Wheels takes up off the field, taking only one defender with him. And Cassini pushes up to him, and he takes a big heavy touch forward. And then it's it's I don't know. It's a shot, cross, either way, it ends up in the back of the net for yep. AWO from 25 yards out on the right-hand side, maybe even something further. like that. Yeah. That, um, it was, it seemed to be aided by the altitude. Across. Yeah. The place where you're normally sending across, but this ends mm-hmm. up in the back of the net. This is on every soccer highlight reel that you will see. Um, just a, a crazy, impressive goal. Um, I initially thought, when it went off his foot, that it was going to be a cross and it ended up in the back of the net. Uh, mm-hmm. The play-by-play man said, you know, there's no way that was uh, that was a shot from there. Definitely a cross, but it goes in. Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, social media chatter about this. I have watched this probably no less than 45 times <laughs> since, uh, I, since I saw the initial highlight. And I'm trying to see, okay, th- does this like slip off of his foot? Is there anything... Uh, the way he sends this ball in that indicates it was a mishit of any guy, mm-hmm. right? I don't necessarily see that. The more no. I watch it, the more it looks intentional that he was actually going for goal here. Um, yep. So in the shot or cross debate, I am, uh, I'm going to go ahead and put myself in the shot camp. How about you? I felt the same way. Like you said, in the, in the initial reaction uh, on the broadcast, it was, no, there's no way that's a, that's a shot. And it was reminiscent of a Don Smart goal from 2019. Uh, that was definitely a cross that found its way in. But if if it was a cross, it was a it was a very, very uncharacteristically bad cross from him because it wasn't even close. Yeah. Abdubakijam was making a run at the far post, but it, the ball was not close to him. He was really well marked. Um, and it was really far out, and it went right over the goalie's head and into the side netting uh, on the far side. Um, so my thought – after having watched it a few times, I also landed in the shot camp. Um, and I have a definitive answer because I texted yeah. Andrew this morning. Yep. I sent, I shot Andrew a text and this is his response. Hey Rob, believe it or not, it was a shot. Wasn't expecting it to come off that well. Ha ha. <laughs> but I did intend to shoot. So there you have it from the man himself. He's maintaining it was a shot. I believe him. I think it was. I think he fully intended it to go in the goal. I, I think it was a hopeful shot. I think he wasn't sure that it was actually going to work, but it sure did. Uh, probably aided by altitude a little bit. That the ball did carry a little bit more than it would normally. Uh, but um, but I, and also I will say Thomas Olson, the goalkeeper, was not in a very good position. He was watching was for the cross. Say that. Yep. Yep. He was he was drifting out to to catch the cross. Andrew looked up and saw him leaning away from goal and put it in just right, right up over his head and, um, and in it went. I mean that the whole near side of the goal was, was open. Right? Yeah, exactly. Um, right. yep. so if, if you're a well, and you're, you're pushing up the right and you see that. Why not? That's gotta be a thought that crosses your mind. Like, Hey, what if I went for goal here? I got a huge opening, right? I, yeah. I trust myself. I trust my abilities. Let's, let's fire this off and see what happens. Um, and so obviously we got the definitive answer from him. 
it was indeed a shot. So, uh, you know, at least from what, what he says, um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm in the shot camp based off. I, I've, you know, I've accumulated the evidence, not only firsthand testimony, but I've accumulated the evidence from the video yep. um, uh-huh. and, and taken all the factors into account. And uh, I think we are officially going to be team shot on this. I podcast. think we are. Yep. We're declaring it a shot. Awesome. Um, and so then things go, go really end to end sort of back and forth yeah. um, until the 28th. Um, and uh, Jerry Dedune, or Desdune um, scored a very weird and fluky goal. Now, I, I, this is a highlight I've watched quite a few times too, Rob, to see yeah. if this pass was intentional. Um, right, and, right. And it doesn't look like it. It looks like it was just sort of a, a challenge that led to a loose ball. Um, yeah. But either way, you know, take nothing away from how the buildup happened. It was very, very odd, and we'll get to the entire buildup in just a second. But really nice shot. Like oh, an excellent, an excellent finish. Um, yep. no, no matter how fluky the buildup was yeah. uh, to equalize. Yeah, it was a the the ball was um, Andrew Wheeler Omino had had two guys that he and two other guys from Northern Colorado were kind of fighting over the ball about thirty yards from goal, and somehow Northern Colorado came away with it, and it kept just bouncing around between different guys on the left hand side. It was never really clearly in anybody's possession for that 10 or 15 second period. And we ended up with Irvin Para ends up with, um, with two of our guys fighting over it on the left on, on our on Madison's right. Para's left. Um, everybody on Madison, because this is all bouncing around, it's kind of chaotic. It's kind of pinball-y. And I'm sure the listeners have seen this highlight also. Um, Madison's back line wasn't quite sure what to do with it. And they all ended up dropping. Right. Mm-hmm. So you, what you end up with was Alvin Jones and Andrew Wheeler Omenu on Para trying to contain him on the left. And then Osmond, Leonard, Rod, and Maldonado all just dropped all the way back. They're just standing in a straight line across the top of the six yard box, which is you want to, you understand that instinct, right. To, to kind of drop and just contain and make sure nothing, nothing gets behind you. But the result of that is then uh, Jerry Dadunis ends up all by himself at the top of the 18. And nobody's on him. Nobody's marking him. Everybody's kind of watching the ball saying, where the hell is this going to go? And Parra, like you said, I don't, I think I agree with you. I don't think it was a pass. I don't, I think Parra was kind of trying to, was just trying to get control of the ball, kind of trying to dribble through um, <clears throat> Jones and, and wheels and ended up just kind of poking the ball out into space and falling down and looking for a foul but because it sort of like bounces into this empty space on, in the middle of the 18 box, the Dunas just jumps up and one times it and, and it's just kind of skips through and past Smith and, and it's in and we're level. It was just a really fluky goal, but, a, but we say this a lot that you put a ball in a dangerous spot and good things happen. So in this case, good things happen for Northern Colorado. One thing on that, on that buildup is uh, it seemed like the battle between wheels and the Northern Colorado defenders for that ball took about 12 minutes. It's like, it's like in hockey when the ball's on the, when the ball, when the puck is on the boards and <laughs> yeah. you have the two guys that are just going at it and the puck's not going anywhere. That's kind of what it felt like. It felt like that, that went on forever. And at some point you're just like, this ball has to squeak loose or somebody has to get the ball somehow. Right. Unfortunately, it went to Northern Colorado, which is how that whole buildup started. But um, yeah, just a kind of a weird sequence that led to the equalizer there. Um, 
Just before half, though, Maldonado all the way on the left gets it to Cyrus Rod, um, carries forward um, toward the center. He draws four defenders. Mm-hmm. Now all all the defenders converge on Cyrus Rod here, um, and uh, one of them left Alan Torres to step to Rod. Um, mm-hmm. Rod gets the ball to Torres about twenty five from goal. Um, just one touch, really really nice shot from outside the box. Yep. Um, I guess it took one little skip, but all in all, this was just a really good, well-placed, well-paced shot. Um, this is kind of what we've seen uh, happen to Ford Madison a couple times where guys are given mm-hmm. the space outside the box to sort of tee one up and let one rip. Well, yep. it was Alan Torres teeing it up and letting it rip there, and I gave Madison the lead just before half. And a, yep. another reversal of fortune there is that you know Ford Madison has had issues conceding just before the half, well, now they get the go-ahead goal right before the half, which is huge for momentum. Yeah, and it was great to see Alan with the, uh, I guess, like we mentioned before, he's the youngster, but but to have that confidence to collect the ball at the 25-yard line, because we know it's the 25-yard line because uh, they're playing on a football field and the lines are right there, <laughs> which yeah. is sort of headache-inducing. But uh, he's, he's just from, the, I guess, from the 15-yard line on the football field, um, so 25 yards from goal. But to to recognize, first of all, for Cyrus Rod to recognize that Alan Torres' defender has left him, so now I can get the ball to him. And then for Torres to realize he's got the space, take one touch, get just a little bit closer, and just have a shot, you know, just rip it. And um, keep it nice and low, and one skip. And we know the turf has been fast, right, already. So uh, one little bounce and into the lower uh, left-hand corner perfectly uh, perfectly slotted perfectly uh, placed and uh, uh, and like you say in the 44th minute massive momentum heading into halftime yeah and it was big because the second half was just sort of a cluster um <laughs> you, had, you, had, yeah. you had some chances um some good looking uh-huh. shots from drew, Car- drew connor and jeremiah strang nothing really was able to go off uh but speaking of going off um uh, 88 88th minutes Matt Glazer gets sent off for a red card, um, having some words, um, I don't know, with an official, maybe to an official. Um, And, uh, you know, obviously those were not taken lightly. It'll be interesting to hear if anything comes out in terms of exactly what was said uh, in that uh, particular sequence. But he is off. So obviously he missed the last uh, handful of minutes of that one. But Mm -hmm. he'll also be suspended for the Tormenta match on July 16th, which normally would be like, okay, maybe, but... I mean, due to COVID-19, you know, implications, um, you know, Coach Neal has had to step in and be that head coach a couple times already um, yeah. over this last month. So the experience is there. They have sort of a process in place for this. Um, and you know what? Sometimes if you're a coach, sometimes you just got to you just got to make it worth your while. You know, what? if you're going to if you're going to if you're going to yell, if you're going to yell at the, the official and you're going to get in, sometimes you just got to go all in on it. And I kind of respect yeah. that, to be honest. Well, we should mention he did get a yellow card after the Northern Colorado goal, and I'm not sure what – I didn't see anything particularly that um, that he could complain about, but so I don't know what if he was talking about something specific to the goal or just taking that moment to talk about something that, that happened earlier. But he did offer then toward the end of the match some more constructive feedback to the officials, which they didn't appreciate, I guess, uh, and off he goes. But like I say, with Neil and with J.P., uh, and everybody else is the, the, the club's in good hands uh, for that match on the, on the 16th. I mean, multiple guys with USL 
I mean, I, in JP's case, USL head coaching experience, right? Yeah. So, yep. Um, yep. yeah, you're 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 more than you have a more than capable staff of of filling in that role, um, for sure. Um, yep. And you know what I, I appreciated about Madison in this match is they didn't necessarily sit back and pack it in at any point. Um, they right. they really kept pushing. And honestly, I see a team sit back and pack it in with a one goal lead. That makes me more nervous than if they continue to play their normal. Absolutely right. Me, the best defense you can have is keeping the ball away from your your goal. Keep the ball on the other side. Keep the ball on the other half. Yep. 100%. Uh, you know, you're sitting and absorbing pressure and absorbing shots. I, I'm not sure from my novice soccer mind and vantage point <laughs> what that exactly does uh, right. to help your chances, to be quite honest. Um, right. I like the way that Madison did it. And obviously you get into stoppage time and, and tired legs come into effect. You don't want to get necessarily get caught on a counter. So um, they did – um, you know, take the uh conservative approach and basically in stoppage time, but um, yeah. for the most part, in the second half, they they sort of kept the foot on the gas and really tried to get that. They did, that, uh, and they brought in, and, right? Exactly. When you bring in Jeremiah Strang, a like for like substitution at the top, you bring in Jeremiah Strang for Abdubaki Jam, which is exactly the substitution you expect in that position if you're continuing to try to find the goal. They did um make a shift. In about the 71st minute, they brought in uh, Christian Dean to replace uh, Mikey Maldonado, and they did seem to shift from a 3-4-3 um, three, three into more of a 4-3-3. Three, three. So they did add one body, one extra body at the back, but they did not park the bus, right? They kept they kept moving forward, even with that slightly different defensive scheme. They did, they did continue to push and to try to score and to keep possession. Didn't do very well keeping possession, but they did try. Uh, but it wasn't until, well, the 94th minute that they brought in uh, Mele Tamuya for Nazim Bartman. And that was that was clearly, a, okay, let's lock this down now. But that wasn't until, like you said, four minutes into stoppage time. So that was, yeah. um, which is exactly the right call at that point. Um, there were a couple of uh, nervy moments in stoppage time, speaking yes. of. Um, and the back line came up huge in these moments as well. Um, Gebhard, Derek Gebhard, of all people, uh, with a crucial clearance in the 94th. Um, shout out to him for that. Um, yeah, and then that was a, a, a last half cross in the 98th, and that actually was you know, after that happened, the final whistle blew. So, yeah. um, that really was at the death there. A couple chances for Northern Colorado, but Madison is able to see it through once again. Um, and they get another to use the term gritty win. And this one on the road. Yeah, like I say, it was gritty. It was one of it was another match where it, they didn't play the best that they played. You can't point to one guy and say like that guy had a really really great night, other than maybe Parker Smith. But uh, for the but you, you know you didn't see the massive big performance from the Cassini or the Bartman or whatever. That's there's altitude involved. There's the turf involved. There's travel. Um, you know you can't you can't blame tired legs or anybody because they did have like nine days off between matches. Uh, but it, and 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 give credit to Northern Colorado, their midfield and defenders really frustrated Madison quite a bit. Uh, but like I say, you're able to grit it out and uh, go on the road and come home with three points. Yeah, there were no there were no real standout performances, but uh, all all in all, I, I thought this was from a team performance standpoint solid. Yeah. Yes. And, solid. And, solid's a good and, and, and when you go on the road, you you don't necessarily need to look for flashy. You don't need to look for um, you know, uh, uh, it'd be nice. Maybe it would be nice to get a hat trick from somebody on the road, but <laughs> when you, when you go on the road, 
especially in a place like Colorado, where, as you mentioned, there's altitude involved. You just want to play a solid match and give yourself an opportunity to get a result or three, yeah. three points if you're lucky. And that's what Madison got. And I really, um, I, I was impressed with that performance in terms of, and I, I, I didn't know, you know, Northern Colorado had the U S open cup run. Um, you know, mm-hmm. they've had some really, really good flashes this season. Um, you know, Ford Madison has had issues going on the road and facing solid teams. Uh, yep. So far this season, they really haven't gotten, um, uh, you know, uh, aside from, I believe, uh, the Richmond match, which w- it really wasn't all that impressive, to be honest, on the road. Right. Um, right. This was a real, like, solid statement road win. And it yes. was huge for their their um, their positioning in the standings as well. Yeah, yeah, jumping from ninth to third. I'll take that any time. Mm-hmm. Now, the other thing that, that stands out to me in this win is the set-piece defending. It's something that's been a weak spot all year long. We talk about it every week. Um, it's just every time there's an opponent set-piece, you hold your breath. But Tuesday night, uh, they were more than solid. Um, Northern Colorado had nine corners and a handful of really dangerous free kicks, and they got nothing out of it. And it was there was um, it was one uh, one that was – Springs to mind late in the match, uh, it was a, a, a corner and Jeremiah Strang, from you know coming all the way back to help out, was all was right in Breck Evans's pocket and did not let Breck Evans get ahead on it. That Breck Evans is very dangerous on set pieces. Jeremiah was having none of it, and um, so it was that was that was just one example. But obviously, all night long, the set pieces were defended really, really strongly. Absolutely, only thirty nine percent of possession for Madison, but look. I don't necessarily view possession as, as an indicator. Like I don't view crosses as an indicator necessarily <laughs> of, of success. I don't really view possession as an indicator of success. Now, now there are limits to that, right? If a team has 15% possession, I'm going to assume they didn't do very well, but right. if you're like 35% or above, I don't like necessarily look at the possession well, and have that as an indicator of which team won the match. Really. Um, mm-hmm. It's all about making the most of the possession you have. Um, right, and that's what Madison did. Exactly right, and that's what Northern Colorado didn't do. That I was actually really shocked to see that that statistic because it didn't feel like the, just watching the match. The possession didn't feel that lopsided because mm-hmm. because Northern Colorado's possession was so disjointed. Like they didn't have long stretches of possession. They'd have it for a minute, and then we'd have it for thirty seconds, and then they'd have it for a minute. You know, so like it was their their sixty percent of the possession was chopped up and was not cohesive and it was not coherent. It was not particularly productive. Right. Mm-hmm. So like you say, in this particular instance, that possession stat isn't all that meaningful. Um, the thing I really like to see though, is um, how efficient they were with their shots. Um, it mm-hmm. only took nine shots. Four of them were on target. Two of them ended up in the back of the net. So yes. that's, that's, that's really good um, percentage efficiency there. Right. That is something yep. traditionally over the last few seasons before Madison, they have really lacked is that um, that shooting efficiency um, yeah. in terms of getting shots on target and getting shots you know, more importantly in the back of the net. But mm-hmm. we're really treading in the right direction over the last month or so when it comes to that. And yep. obviously uh, this past match was a really good indicator of that, too. But, you know, what's also crazy is only two of those shots came from inside the box. Both goals came from well outside, not just outside the box, but well outside the box. And five of the other shots that didn't go in also came from outside the box. So you wonder, I should have asked Andrew this earlier, but you wonder, was that a tactical decision? Was that like a scouting report on Thomas Olsen and on the Northern Colorado 
um, defense that that maybe those long range shots that they're not expecting are a weak point, or was it this is how we're going to deal with the turf? We're not going to be able to dribble into the box as well. Those those through balls, like we mentioned, the through balls weren't working because of the turf. Um, so we're just going to wind them up and rip them from from long range. Uh, whether that was just a tactical decision before the match or whether that was just this is what we're finding available to us doesn't really matter because it worked. Absolutely. Um, so now you had a little bit of time off heading into this one after that crazy end to June. And yep. now you get another 11 day, uh, or excuse me, now you get an 11 day break uh, yep. for your your homestand coming up. Um, and so you get a rare mid-season breather here because right. not only did you have a little bit of break before Northern Colorado, you have an 11-day break before you take on Tormenta at home on the 16th, but then you have another 10 days off before you host you in Omaha on the 26th. So in the next 20 days, only two matches for Ford right. Madison. That is right. huge for, for rest and recoup, but obviously you're going to see the flip side of that coin when you get to August and even September where, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to have a pretty decent run of matches in a short amount of time. So um, it's gather you rest while you may. Um, <laughs> and while you're at home, you need to gather you points while you may yeah. as well. Um, Tormenta, Union Omaha, and then hosting Northern Colorado to end the month on July 30th. Um, a mm-hmm. really good opportunity for Ford Madison to have fresh legs, um, yep. maybe facing teams that don't necessarily have that same uh, advantage. Um, and sort of recoup some of the points that maybe you dropped at the beginning of the year. That's right. And there's also that friendly on the 20th against Pumas Tabasco, yep. uh, which, like I said, doesn't necessarily contribute to fatigue because you can swap out a whole bunch of other guys uh, and just put it on a good show and ha- have some fun. Um, but, yeah, I feel like all three of those games are winnable, For sure. at least to get a result out of We said last week that we wanted nine points out of July. We've already got three. So if we can get, uh, you know, three, six, even 12 more points out of this month, we'll be sitting pretty. Yeah, absolutely. I think when you look at these three matches, Tormenta, Omaha, Northern Colorado, all three at home, there's no reason you shouldn't get seven points out of these three out of these three matches. Yeah, seven of the last nine. That would give you yep. 10 for the month. Um, you would be feeling really good heading into yep. August if you can accomplish so. that. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. We'll see if they can make that happen. So again, ten or yeah, another ten. Day, I guess another nine days from when you're listening to this. If you're listening to this on Thursday before Ford Madison next takes the field uh, around the league, Rob, you want to take us around the league here in USL League? Sure. One? Last week Wednesday, we mentioned this actually. Well, uh, on the last week's podcast because we were a day late last week too. Um, Greenville uh, beats North Carolina three one. Jacob Lavovitz. Jake Keegan and Alan Gavalanes all score for Greenville. North Carolina get one back in stoppage time on the most ridiculous, absurd goalkeeping error you'll ever see, <laughs> but it was fine. Uh, Richmond gets uh, one nil win over FC Tucson. The teams combined for only four shots on target, yeah. uh, and the one that went in was Jonathan Bolaños right on the hour mark to win that one for Richmond. On Thursday night last week, Northern Colorado gets a 2-1 win over Chattanooga, Chattanooga Red Wolves. Uh, first half goals from Juan Galindres and Breck Evans for Northern Colorado kept uh, Chattanooga from climbing the table any further. And then on Friday night, two difficult teams to figure out, Omaha and Charlotte, uh, 0-0 draw. Omaha gets off 17 oh, shots and five on target, but none of them go in. It's wild. This is a team that beat two MLS clubs. And they, get, they draw 0-0 zero, zero with Charlotte. It's, it's incredible. Charlotte's, you know, just put up six on forward Madison. 
Omaha yeah. has such a, has a really good attacking prowess as well. So of course that match ends up normal. Right. Well, and think about Charlotte too. They go, they lose seven to one, they win six to two, and then they draw zero zero. What what is going on in this league and what is going on with that club? Anyway, balance, uh, wow. on Saturday it's all, it's all balance. That's the universe kind of coming back into uh, <laughs> into orbit and, and everything exactly. sort of just falling back in the right places. Right, exactly right. On Saturday, Richmond gets a big win over North Carolina, 4-1. Oilex Anderson gets North Carolina on the board late in the first after a bad turnover at the back from Richmond. But then the second half was all kickers. Our old friend Emiliano Terzaghi equalized at the hour mark. And, uh, and, then, and then he got an assist just a couple minutes later on Jonathan Bolaños. The goal turned out to be the winner. But then Owen Gordon added one in the 75th. Trezaga completed his brace in the 79th. Richmond looking the whole second half of that match. Not so much the first half. Second half of that match, Richmond looking really, really dangerous and, and uh, in really good form. Richmond's another team that's uh, that's it's kind of tough to figure out because they'll have matches like the one against Tucson mm-hmm. where it's like, man, they, they struggle through this one. They barely yeah. come out with a win against Tucson. Tucson's not great. Maybe you know they're they're susceptible, and then they just go out and beat the brakes off of North Carolina, and you're just like, yeah. oh, okay, no, that okay, that that Richmond team's it's, good. It's just it's a little bit of inconsistency, which I mean, I guess that's been the whole league this year, right? You yeah. see, you see Greenville, yeah. you see Richmond, you see Charlotte, you see Omaha. I mean, it's really it's tough to really figure out any of these teams. I think maybe Chattanooga is the one team to me that's sort of been at least had some semblance of consistency. Yeah. Um, throughout yeah. the season, but it's you know it's just been very topsy turvy. It has, uh, and then there's one more game on Sunday. Uh, no, sorry, there's one more game on Saturday. Uh, Tormenta beat Central Valley one nil. Gabriel De Frida scores on a free kick rebound. Um, Pablo Hara for uh, Tormenta gets a clean sheet to win that one. And then on Sunday, uh, league rounds out play with a uh, uh, lowly FC Tucson holding Greenville to one. Luis Coutinho, Coutinho goal. And then hometown hero Donnie Toya gets the equalizer in the 84th. Um, Tucson gets the draw and keeps Greenville at the top of the table within striking distance uh, for uh, Madison. And as a result, uh, Greenville is at the top of the table on 24 points instead of 26. Um, they're tied with Richmond. Both have 24 points and seven wins. And then Madison right behind them with 20 points. Uh, and then Charlotte is fourth with 18. And then there's four clubs, five clubs, sorry, Chattanooga, North Carolina, Omaha, Fuego, and Tormenta, all sitting on 17 points. Though we should mention Omaha has three games in hand. So they, they've got only 11, they've got 17 points on, in 11 games, where everybody else has 17 points on 14 games. So um, the table is still up for grabs. Uh, and, uh, you know, I don't think. Anybody can make any predictions on who's going to land in the playoffs. Nice thing is being in Madison position now, being in third, being within striking distance at the top. Now it's incumbent on everybody else to come catch us, right? So uh, that's a good spot to be in right now, halfway through the season. It's refreshing to see Ford Madison up near the top of the table again. Yes, right. refreshing is a good word for it. It's been a while. Let's <laughs> just say that. It has been a while. Um, going around Wisconsin now, as we mentioned last week, Bavarians win the USASA Region 2 Amateur Cup 3-1 over Adria. Um, and they'll head, head back to the Chicago area for the National Amateur Cup August 6th and 7th. Um, some news, though. The Region uh, 3 champion, mm-hmm. Beeman SC from Tennessee, they were found to have used an eligible professional players. Can't do that in amateur club football. 
Um, so Aria, not Adria, not the Adria team that uh, Bavarians beat. Aria, SC from Texas, will take their place in the finals. So a little bit of controversy uh, there in the uh, USASA Region Two Amateur Cup or Region Three Amateur Cup, I guess, in that regard. Um, Noah Passel this week, uh, but in the USLW League, Green Bay Glory did get a three-three draw against Chicago City, but it was not enough to stay in contention for the Heartland Division. Um, Green Bay needed to win that match to stay, you know, within that five-point threshold that we talked about mm-hmm. heading into yep. that Aurora doubleheader this weekend. That that draw, dropping points combined with an Aurora win, means Aurora now have clinched the Heartland Division. And so this uh, this will still be a really fun back to back this weekend with oh, Green yeah, Bay sure. and Minnesota to end that regular season. But unfortunately, the stakes not 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 as high considering the the division has now been uh, now been you know decided. Yep, and and what and what a, and what a great opening season has been for the W yeah. League and for Green Bay Glory. It's not their first season; it's their first season in the W League. So, but so congratulations all around to everybody. Absolutely. All right. What do you say we jump into this interview, Rob? Let's talk to Parker Smith. Parker Smith, forward Madison goalkeeper, fresh off his first start, first pro appearance, first pro win. Uh, Great shot with him. Stick around for this, and then Rob and I will be back on the other side to give our shout-outs and wrap things up like we always do with a full mingle fun fact. And joining us today, forward Madison goalkeeper, Parker Smith. How are you doing, Parker? Doing great. How are you? Good, good. Thanks for being with us. So uh, you got the start on Tuesday. Was that your first professional start? Yes, it was my professional. Okay, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. And 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 you played really, really well. Can you talk a little bit about that, about just what it was like, I mean, in the week leading up to it? When did you find out you were getting the nod? And and what was what was your mindset and, and all that? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, you know, the week <clears throat> leading up, I uh, I was starting to get more integrated with the starters throughout training. Uh, kind of getting on that side of of the scrimmages of the different activities that we were going through and different game day preparation. I I had a brief conversation with coach the day before we left to travel. And then it was really honestly the the day before the match that I got the official, like, you know, you're going to be starting, you know, get yourself ready mentally, physically, whatever you need. Uh, It was certainly a a surreal experience. Uh, It was just I would describe it honestly as blissful. It's something I've been been dreaming about working towards since I was five years old, since I was a little kid. And it's always been a a big dream of mine to step onto a professional field, play in a professional game. And that was just a a perfect way to to have that experience. So um, it was a a unique week of preparation, but it was definitely when you can go on the road and get three points, it just makes everything feel worth it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, talking about the the performance, you know, you you get the win, two one, pretty good performance and goal. How would you assess your first professional performance after the fact? Uh, I would say it was very safe. Um, you know, that was <laughs> that was the game plan. It was don't make mistakes, don't overcomplicate it, keep it safe, keep it simple, and that's exactly what we did. It was a lot of goal kicks out of bounds. It was a lot of you know playing long, not not too much uh, risky business in the back. So. You know, I did what I what I could do. I thought I helped the team in the way that I could. I think there's obviously a lot of room for improvement, a lot of ways I can continue to add more to the squad. But for a first performance, I think I, I did exactly what I, what I needed to do. 
You got you got called into duty pretty early in the match, like a fourth minute or so. You you have to, you know, take a quick dive to your left to parry one to the side. Is was that like a, oh no, or was that, <laughs> or was that like, did that yeah. give you some confidence going forward or what? No, honestly, I say the hardest games as a goalkeeper are the games where you get to the seventy fifth minute and you haven't touched the ball yet. Mm. You know, you're just it's so hard to stay mentally and physically prepared and ready for your moment when you go long, long spells without being engaged. And I think that that save in the fourth minute and another in maybe like the the sixth or or something Mm -hmm. like that, or the 10th, those were really big, like confidence builders, just getting me feeling like, yeah, this is where I'm supposed to be fitting right in on the pitch here and just, letting me, you know, know that when my moment, when I was called upon, I was going to do what I needed to do. Um, and then at the other end of the match, at the end, you know, you got like six minutes of stoppage, and then that goes on for eight or nine minutes. Um, things got a little bit hairy back there. Uh, your back line obviously big, came up big in front of you, um, including some guys that weren't in the back line. Gephardt had that big clearance. Uh, Jeremiah Strang did some great defending on a corner kick. Um, were there any, like, moments – at the end there where you're like, Oh no, we're going to give up the equalizer or were you guys just locked in? You know, it, it's so, it's so interesting during the game. You never think that you, you, it never crosses your mind. It's like, it's never, Oh, we're going to concede. It's what, what, what do I need to do so that we don't. Mm -hmm. And you said it perfectly. We had a lot of guys that came up with some really, really big plays down the stretch, especially in, in the last few minutes there. And I think that, that's the difference. I mean, in this league, we've seen it time and time again, you know, teams losing points or Mm -hmm. teams turning a good result to a bad result in the last few kicks of the game. And and it really, really showed a testament to the way that this team is, is willing to fight to scrap out points. Just watching, watching you on the sidelines in the the course of this first half of the season here, seems like you're already, you're always pretty engaged. You've got, you're always like super, you're always right in there on the goal celebrations. You're always like signing autographs after the match and stuff. It's, how are you, what's your mindset? You know, having gotten one start out of the way, what's your mindset been as a, as the backup going into game day uh, and, and staying engaged with the, with the team? You know, I, I've been very thankful for just the quality mm-hmm. of guys I have on the team and mm-hmm. off the field, just great, great characters, great personalities. And, you know, working with Phil Brino now for the first few months of the season and, and getting to really learn from him and getting to kind of brain and see what a good guy he is. It, it makes it really easy to be supportive of him while he's playing. Obviously, I, I, I want to be on the field. I want to be the guy that's in between the, the pipes for us. But at the same time, I want what's best for the team. So it's very easy for me to you know be supportive. And, and at the end of the day, I, I love soccer. I love winning games. I love the crowd, the energy at Brees. It's just like you just – there's nothing like it. So I try to soak it up every day, whether I'm on the field, on the bench, whatever it might be. You know, you never know when it's going to be your last goal you can celebrate. You never know when it's going to be your last win. So I try not to take it for granted. Did Phil have any advice for you before the start on, on Tuesday? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. He uh, he talked to me. He's like, hey, I think you deserve this opportunity you know, I think you've been, you've been doing well in training. Just go out there, be confident, be yourself and, uh, and, and just trust your teammates and they'll trust you and and get the job done. And it it was really nice to know that I had him in my corner. And I think that there's uh, a lot of times where goalkeeper relationships, because you're fighting for the same spot 
can be a little toxic. It can be guys kind of wishing ill on one another to try and take over that spot. And I would imagine like that. And they, I'm thankful for it because I've been in teams where it is like that. On the flip side, what's it been like kind of having that practice competition with Phil? Because obviously you guys want to have the good relationship, but both of you only get better if you're pushing each other in training, right? So what's it been like having him to sort of compete with and what do you think that's done for your own development? Oh, it's been awesome. Um, you know, Phil, he's a competitor like me. He shows up, we get focused, we get locked in and we get to work every day. And I think you could see from the outside and especially from the inside, the quality of the service, the, the standard that we set for one another in the way that we train and, and the standard that JP sets for both of us throughout the goalkeeper sessions and throughout the sessions altogether. It certainly has been a, an environment where, you know, if you're having a bad day, you're going to lose because the other guy will, will be on top of you. So it's, it's helped me foster so much growth in, in the last three, three, four months that, you know, I, I felt, the, the college game and, you know, the youth game and, and academy systems, all that, it's similar, but it's just not it, – it's not the same. Yeah, you mentioned JP, John Pascarella, who was a goalkeeper. Matt Glazer was a goalkeeper. So you've got two guys, like, right on top of you that are were goalkeepers for a long time. They're pretty good ones. So does that is that helpful? Is that more pressure? How does that, how does that work? No, I, I think it, it's very helpful in terms of – tactically in terms of feedback in terms of coaching uh it's also you know a little bit more pressure from the standpoint of that they know what they expect right they know mm-hmm. what they want. they've they've seen they've coached they've been great goalkeepers so you know, they know what's what's expected and and they're not going to let anything less slide so uh, it's great in training it really keeps the standard high and you know, neither of them really uh, take any shit, for lack of a better word. They <laughs> they like things how they like it, and you know you, you get it done that way. It's about my way or the highway. Let's throw back a little bit to sort of your your youth uh, experience. I, I read in your bio that at an early age you actually went abroad to Portugal. Uh, what was what was the catalyst for that move at such a young age? And I mean, what what did that do for sort of your soccer development when you were able to come back? Yeah, so uh, in high school, I did end up heading out to Portugal. Um, it was actually through a, a goalkeeper coach that I've been working with in an organization, uh, Neil Thompson and Big Cat Goalkeeping, who set up uh, basically a, a an exchange, like a trip, where he took about 10 of us goalkeepers, you know, the best goalkeepers from his uh, Big Cat Goalkeeping organization, which, you know, that Chicagoland group was was really a special group, I think, of the the 10 of us that were there, I believe five or six of us are, are currently signed pro. And we were all from the same area of Chicagoland and, and made that trip together. So um, he really was the catalyst, the one that kind of put the idea out there and was like, this could be a great opportunity going out there, living out there, training, seeing what that environment is like, seeing what a, a true professional academy is like. It, it was a great experience. And I also was able to gauge myself against other people of a similar age that, you know, were among the best in the world at, yeah, at their position or in, in the game. So mm-hmm. that was a, definitely an invaluable experience to be able to do that before I went to college and before I got exposed to, to other things like that. So for, for college, you, you went to Northern Illinois, right? Uh, yeah. What, what was um, 
what was that experience like? And, and, uh, and then, and then how do you, what's the transition then from Northern Illinois to Madison? How, how does that, how do those conversations happen and, and how do you land here? Yeah. So it's actually a, a really uh, interesting story. At least I think so. Uh, <laughs> I, I was, uh, you know, I grew up outside of Chicago in like Naperville, Downers Grove area. Mm-hmm. And from that, from there, I, was trying to look in a relatively local area, stay in the Midwest for school. I ended up having a a really big injury. I had a big fracture of my right humerus uh, towards the end of high school. I had a a nine inch plate and 10 screws put in my arm. I was out of commission for almost a full year and it really put a, a big damper on my recruiting. And I, I was then heading into my last semester of high school with really no options. And I reached out to the coaches at, at Northern. I, they had seen me at an ID camp. They came to a couple games and they ended up just offering me like a preferred walk on basically. And I signed for them on signing day, my senior year, ended up heading out there, red shirting my freshman year. Uh, and then playing as a, as a second choice for my sophomore and junior year. Um, under a great goalkeeper, Martin Sanchez out there. We had a good unit, a great goalkeeper coaches through my time there. Great coaching staff. I, I really enjoyed, honestly, my time at NIU, the team, everything, and seeing us go from my first season to being like a sub-500 team to then the season right before I left, us being, you know, only having two losses, some 15-something wins, going to the, the second round of the national tournament winning our conference undefeated, all these accolades. So mm-hmm. it was awesome last season. But I actually was in the middle of my spring semester of my junior year, so my sixth semester of college. And I uh, I was really not uh, finding joy in, in school and in my major and not finding the same interest that I, that I once had. Uh, I actually had started my own company doing uh, consulting work back in the – back in August of the year prior. And I'd started to really gain some good traction with it. I was in a situation where I felt like if I wanted to come back for school, I could, but my true passion was, was soccer. And my company was able to sustain me going and trying to chase that dream. So Hmm. I dropped out in the middle of the semester and started making phone calls and, and trying to see what connections I could, I could come across. And I had a, a mutual connection to coach Neil and ended up just calling him and asking to come in for uh, for a trial, and the rest is history. Wow! It, you got to create your own opportunity sometimes, right? Absolutely. Um. So I, I have one 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 question. I have one last question for you, and I'll, I'll kick it to Jeremy if he's got anything else. But um, I was uh, I, I've been coaching my kids for 10, 15 years. Ten years ago, could not get a kid to volunteer to play goalie, like. It was almost like punishment if you had to play goalie. Like that was like, <laughs> but now I I've got my second crop of kids and there's like 10, 11 year old girls. I, I, all of them want to play goalie. So what has happened in the 10 years that, that is it just you? Is it just like everybody wants to be Parker now or is goalkeeping just the coolest thing to be now as it wasn't 10 years ago? I don't know. You know, I'll be honest with you. When I started my youth career, I didn't think goalkeeping was very cool either. <laughs> I, a lot of young kids like, you know, the glory is in scoring the goals and, and being the hero. and like Exactly. Do, right. But uh, I think the modern game is really lending towards goalkeepers being like 
very important players on the team. Yeah, you know, the old school style of goalkeepers just stay on your line, stay in the box, and make saves, and that's it. It's it's gone. It's done with now. You know, goalkeepers need to communicate, organize. They're they're the the last line of defense, and they're the first line of the of the offense as well. You know, you're expected to be able to play make. You're expected to be able to control the area and behind the defense. And I think the complexity and the the responsibility and the value of the position has made it much more enjoyable to play. Like people people are like, I would love to be a goalkeeper. Because I'm actually engaged with the game now. It's not like just go sit back in your box and wait till the ball. Goes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, my my final question is a pretty general one, but but who are some of those I guess role models for you? Obviously, you have a, a couple coaches, goalkeeper coaches that you can you know rely on and, and pick their brains. But you know, as you were growing up and kind of found your standing as a goalkeeper, um, who are some of those those players and those guys that you looked up to and sort of wanted to you know form your game after? if you will. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think um, I I really had a great like crop of teammates that was very similar in age to me, but were guys that were just a step above. And um, it, it gave me great like fuel to be able to actually work with these guys every day. You know, I wasn't looking up to someone playing on Real Madrid who it, it almost seems like an echelon or a tier that you can't reach. These were guys that I grew up with, I trained with every day and they're, you know, now MLS starters or, you know, winning the the Scottish Premier League or, you know, playing at high levels. And these are guys that you know, I grew up right down the street from. So I think some of my biggest uh, role models were actually peers that really just executed at a very high level, understood the demands of the game, understood, you know, what it took to be successful. And then I'd have to say, honestly, just my biggest life role model and, and the person who kind of pushed me in the direction of soccer and always motivated me to continue pushing forward with it, which is my dad. Yeah. He played in college, played in high school, you know, was, was huge into soccer and put me into it from my young age and just kind of fostered this mentality with me that I was, I was going to be able to do whatever it was that I was willing to work hard enough to accomplish. And that was so big when I was young. Always reaching for the brass ring. Love that. Parker Smith, <laughs> old Madison goalkeeper, uh, fresh off his first appearance, first professional appearance, first professional start, and first professional win. Parker, we appreciate the time, and best of luck the rest of the way. Hey, thank you, guys. I appreciate you having me. Big thanks again to Parker Smith making his Talk and Flock debut. Really good interview, really good chat. Um, and I'm sure we will have him back on the podcast sooner rather than later. Uh, but now it's time for our shout outs, Rob, I'll have you kick things off. I think my first shout out has to go to the bingo of the match and our guest today, Parker Smith. Um, not, never easy to, to make your debut. It must've been a lot of pressure. Uh, sounds like from talking to him, it sounds like he handles it well. And uh, the product on the field looked really solid, really good. Look forward to seeing more out of him. Uh, we love Phil Brino. We love Parker Smith. Uh, whoever uh, is having the better week is going to start those games. And um I think we're in good hands. Yeah, good hands, pun intended. Indeed. There, uh, from <laughs> Rob Chapel. Uh, my first shout out goes to Alan Torres. I mean, look, mm. we could probably shout him out every week for the rest of the season. Um, just the impact he has had in such a short time. Um, he's been he's been awesome. He's been he's I think he's really been one of the game changers for this team. His contribution, 
mm-hmm. think has been one of those those catalysts and one of the things you, you talk about the sort of the reversal of fortune for forward Madison over the last month month and a half where things have really started to go their way results have started to come in bunches um I think a lot of that can be attributed to what Alan Torres has injected to this team from his energy but also his quality um just the pressure he's able to put on defenses um and he finally you know he, he gets that really impressive goal um mm-hmm. against Northern Colorado I think you know the sky's the limit for this kid um, I'm excited to see how he continues to develop, uh, you know, this, you know, in general, but into this season specifically, when we get into August and September, the kind of, the kind of player that we'll be talking about. Yeah, for sure. Which I, I feel like I also want to mention Cyrus Rod getting the assist on that goal. He's yeah. very quietly accumulated five assists on the season. Like, I don't know where that came from, but we good on him too. All right. My second actual shout out, Andrew wheeler Amanu comes in, plays the first half. Gets that massive goal, which is definitely a shot, definitely intentional. Uh, the whole first half, <clears throat> excuse me, that he was in, he was um, in a much higher position than you usually see him. Uh, he does that occasionally, where you'll, you'll you'll see it and you'll know they've made a decision that the, him playing in the number six is going to be more defensive focused or more uh, attacking focused and more in support of the attack. And this uh, this game, he was definitely in a higher position. That usually bodes really, really well for the Mingos, and it was great to see. and And he played a hell of a shift. I I can't agree more. I think he's somebody I've wanted to see get more involved in the attack. Mm-hmm. Um, when he first came in, I don't know if it was a false assumption on my part. I thought he would be a much more have a much more attacking presence mm-hmm. on his team. Um, so it's good to see him actually sort of get that green light, so to speak. Yeah. Yep. to play up highlight like and we see the kind of impact he can make. Uh, my second shout out is actually, uh, and this might be sacrilegious to shout out the opposing team, uh, but the Northern Colorado fans, um, it got loud in there after that goal. I don't know if it's the way that stadium is set up or if it's just the altitude doing weird things with the sound, but it was very noticeable how loud that stadium got um, after Northern Colorado got their goal and, um, obviously they had, uh, you know, they've, they've had success this season in the open cup and things like that, but, um, it's hard to know, you know, what that fan support is going to be like, and it seems like they got it. Um, so that was, that was good to see. I always like to see, you know, um, you know, obviously we get the support with Ford Madison. We're kind of lucky yeah. and fortunate. We're at the yeah. upper echelon of the league in that regard, but, um, to see that starting to spread more league wide now, aside from just a, a few, three or four clubs, we're just kind of seeing that, that support in droves start to develop league wide with a lot of these teams. So that was good to see that also be the case with Northern Colorado. Yeah, and especially when you change the date and change the venue yeah. and to still get a pretty decent crowd who was really into it. That was nice to hear. I'm going to shout out our fans, uh, David Magnus and the Flamingos and his crew uh, made the trip to Fort Collins. Uh, there were 19 of them. Dave tells me. Uh, wow. I, I don't know if there were any other pockets of fans as well, um, but it was, it, Dave said it was basically general admission, but they ended up sitting like right behind the, the, the bench and nice. surrounded by Colorado fans. So they were felt a little bit self-conscious about singing too much, but yeah. on the broadcast, I'm sure anybody who watched could hear the, the whoop, whoop of the, yep. of the four Madison fans on the Northern Colorado set pieces. So um, massive shout out to Dave and, and, and family and friends that made the trip out to Fort Collins uh, for this one. 
Yeah, I mean, you love to see you know, this always happens, you know, once a year. Obviously, the contingent always goes out to Richmond and and, and things like that. But mm-hmm. you always kind of see that that one match where there's just seems to be like that really kind of I wouldn't say next level, but the the away support is very noticeable. Um, yeah, and we're starting mm-hmm. to see more of those matches happen. We're starting to see that be more frequent from Ford Madison. So that's that's yeah, fantastic. Uh, always fantastic to see. Um, my final shout out, uh, you kind of mentioned this is, is for the scheduling of this. Um, yeah, I don't know the circumstances in which Northern Colorado had to move away from their pre- previous stadium. I don't know if they were positive or negative circumstances, so I don't want to assume there, but it was very convenient to not have a match <laughs> on the 4th of July to, you know, watch and cover. Um, yes. it was very nice to have that sort of be a family day where I didn't have to focus on anything else, but, you know, enjoying the time with my family on the 4th of July, cooking out some good stuff. So, um, yeah, shout out to whoever made that switch because it was really nice. Yeah, and speaking of the switch of venue, I want to give a sub shout out to the Play Play guy doing the thing on ESPN Plus because the camera angle was mm. so wild and so high. I don't know how he could tell who was who, to be honest. Mm. It was crazy looking from up there. I also want to make one other note. Um, used to be anytime Amingo was nominated for anything, he would win it automatically because Madison had the best – most active voting Twitter follow. So like anybody, on, any Ford Madison people on Twitter would vote and Ford Madison would win goal of the week, player of the week, whatever. Matthias Cassini is up for player of the month for June. So we need to get back to that. We need to vote, vote, vote for Matthias Cassini, player of the month for June. You can vote through July 11th. So you have until Monday to vote and make sure you do. And he well-deserved nomination oh, yeah. for him. Yeah. In that regard, too. I mean, we talked mm-hmm. about guys making impact, and he's been shouted out a couple times on this uh, on the show. But yep. he he has been one of those guys that's really really stepped up into a prominent role on this For team, sure. and yep. um, hopefully, he can continue that moving forward. Uh, but Rob, speaking of moving forward, let's move forward to the end of the show here and wrap things up like we always do with a little fun fact. Uh, some folks might know this because I did tweet this before the game, but uh, Northern Colorado head coach Amon Zayed. Not that long ago, retired from his playing career. One of the things that he's that we remember him for in his playing career is when he was playing for Chattanooga Red Wolves, he scored the first goal ever against Forward Madison. Now we can mention that again because now it has been avenged. And all those guys who drove all the way down to Chattanooga for that most important first match now have been avenged, and we can all move on from it. We hold grudges for a long time. Yeah, football. that that, and, that weight has just been <laughs> anyway, on been the shoulders yep. for, for more than three years now, Rob. So I'm yep, glad. Exactly. Three and a half years. And, and, and to see him after the match, wandering the sidelines, looking befuddled, wondering how this result happened, it was just very nice to see. It was. It was. It's almost like that goal never happened now. Almost like it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that'll do it for this week's episode of Talk and Flock. Um, if we don't have a full episode next week because there's no, there won't be any matches to discuss. We will, you know, we'll get some sort of content out there, whether it's an interview, uh, a mini episode, whatever it is, um, something will be coming your way. It might not necessarily be a full episode of talking flock next week. So just be, just be uh, aware of that. Subscribe to the podcast feed. So you know when and uh, what that new content is going to be. Uh, but Rob, enjoy the rest of your San Diego vacation. Will do. I will uh, attempt to uh, get better from the COVID <laughs> that I'm not suffering from. 
And uh, then we'll, uh, you know, we'll get something next week. And of course, right back at it as normal here in a couple weeks with matches kicking off. Sounds good. All right. Take it easy, everybody. Enjoy the week. Uh, Enjoy the week of no matches. Do something else with your weekend. Go out, (laughs) have some fun. Uh, You know, maybe go to that restaurant that you've been meaning to go to. Maybe, you know, go on a hike that you've been meaning to do. Uh, Maybe get (laughs) do a little, you know, summer getaway somewhere. Do what you got to do. Enjoy the time. And we will be back uh, some way, shape, or form next week. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you for listening. Have a good one. We'll be right back.